Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert Experts on Experts. I'm Dax Shepard. I'm joined by Monster Mouster. Good morning. Good morning to you. How are you? Good. You brought over a very special mug today. I did. Do you want to read it? The Luncheonette. The Luncheonette. Gives me warm fuzzies it to does. see that. Of course. Me and Peter pretending we owned a recording studio. <laughs> Boy, the, the fun we had. So today's guest is very interesting because I met this person at a dinner party, I don't know, 10 years ago, uh-huh. and he was so interesting. I learned that he had been Brian Grazer's cultural liaison. He literally would educate Brian Grazer, the very famous producer, every morning on what is happening in culture or in the zeitgeist. And so after meeting him, I learned of his Zeitguide culture classes. And um, I've been reading the Zeitguide of his for the last 10 years. It's one of my favorite emails to get. So we're having him on today. He's an author, an entrepreneur, and a publisher and creator and host of Zeitguide's Culture Class. Zeitguide is a cultural almanac which synthesizes the need-to-know hot-button issues we need to keep track of throughout the year. Go to zeitguide.com and use code armcherries for 50% off Brad's first culture class of the year. Please enjoy our friend Brad Grossman. We are supported by DoorDash. I don't know where we would be in life without DoorDash. Seriously. I don't think I could have made it. If I had to make myself macaroni and cheese every single day for the last 11 months. I just got John and Vinny's from DoorDash. Oh my God, it's so delicious. so good. Now listen, you've counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. So this is a great way to help your neighborhood restaurants stay afloat during this really challenging time. The DoorDash app brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is so easy. You just open up the DoorDash app, you choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. For a limited time, Arm Cherries can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code armchair. That's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code armchair. Don't forget that's code armchair for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. We are supported by Brooklinen. Nothing feels sexier than wiggling around between the sheets nude in some extra soft and luxurious Brooklinens. It's one of my main hobbies. It's a good sheet. It sure is. Some mornings you wake up and you just want to pull the covers over your head and go back to sleep. There's no judgment, of course, but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why. Oh, you recently spent the night on New Year's Eve and you writhed around in some Brooklinies. I did. It was so comfortable. Oh my gosh. There's no better luxury sheets out there. And because they're a direct-to-consumer bedding company, you don't have to pay the luxury level markups. They have a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and more. It's 2021. Do something nice for yourself to start the new year right. To help you do that, Brooklinen has a special offer. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code armchair to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code armchair to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more, plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com and use promo code armchair at checkout. He's an armchair expert. 
Okay, Brad's here with a non-swivel chair. Uh, there was a last-minute game day decision made to get rid of the swivel chair, which I mm -hmm. appreciate. Are you a fidgeter? Did you think to yourself, you know what, I'm a fidgeter and I'm going to spin around the whole time? I'm developing on more stability. Okay. <laughs> Is that a 2021 resolution? It's been a 1975 resolution. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're getting there. We're getting slowly but surely, steadily, baby steps. Now, I just want everyone to know, I met you, Brad, at a dinner party, man, I want to say 10 years ago at this point, and I learned about your role at Imagine, which is a great historic production company here, Ron Howard and Brian Grazier, who you worked with, and you were so knowledgeable about everything, and then we learned at this dinner party that you have something called Zeitguide, which you then signed Kristen and I up for, and we get it weekly. And it's awesome. It's a cheat sheet for everything that is in the zeitgeist. That's popular. You catch words you hear, which happens, I think, to all of us. You're just moving through the world and you're hearing like, oh, what's this new word everyone seems to have embraced and knows what it means? And so you have a culture guide that helps people stay abreast of the ever-changing zeitgeist. Is that a good description of it? It pretty much is. Not everybody, you're clearly very, very in tune, but not everybody knows what the word zeitgeist means, right? It is not a popular word, right? Zeitgeist is actually a German word that means spirit of the time. So that's my mission to embody that, to help guide people through our constantly changing culture, like guiding them through the zeit, which is time. Yeah. So how do you know what you're going to explore? Is it a synthesization, a synthesization? Sure. Okay. Of like moving through the world and just picking up on these things. Like I remember, I'm just going to give an example, like eight years ago, I'm like, man, people love the word artisanal. That's everywhere. And then of course <laughs> it made its way to like a Subway sandwich was artisanal. And I was like, well, okay, that's got to be the end of artisanal. But is it that you're out exploring on the internet or in news, or is it that you're moving through the world and getting curious about these things you're hearing, or is it all those things? Well, it is all those things, but you use two really good terms that define. In fact, one of my clients just pitched me as part of their project and called me a cultural explorer. Ooh. And yeah, I'm basically a student of the world. And while you all have your real jobs, I'm going out there like an octopus, sucking up all this interesting information that is based on my curiosity and my questioning of what's really happening. And I synthesize all of it. And I have researchers who help me. And then I serve it on a platter to my audience, whether they're CEOs or leaders or, like you said, Brian Grazer. And now you and your audience. So you have a couple facets to your business. One is Zeitguide, which anyone listening could become a subscriber to Zeitguide. Not only that, I think you even have come up with a code for arm cherries so they can get it cheaper. Is that true? Yeah, well, I moved on because of the spirit of the times, because nobody reads anymore. I do these culture classes now. I customize them for companies, but I also do it for anybody. And on... The 27th at 1 p.m. Pacific time and 4 p.m. East Coast time, I am going to do one like I always do before the arm cherries, which is actually the code arm cherries in caps, I'm offering 50% off. So it's 25 bucks for I'm calling it around the world in 60 minutes, everything you need to know in 2021. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. really quick, you want to talk about a polarizing topic. It's how to spell arm cherries. Now I, <laughs> I spell it 
A-R-M-C-H-E-R-R-I-E-S. Like the fruit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah, arm yeah. and then the fruit. How do you spell it? Well, I looked it up and okay. I listened to your podcast every week. So I thought instinctually that it was armchair as your podcast defines itself. And then I thought, you know what? That's a really good way to brand you in terms of a zeitgeist kind of thing because you're both so sweet. Oh, so it's a great, that's it's nice. such a, I mean, you really, I just want to praise you. Like you really connect with humanity and that's what I try to do in the work that I do as well. I like to be more the guide than the zeit. Of course, people want to know the zeit, but I want people, and I did it with kids originally as a tutor, and then I did it for Brian Grazer at Imagine, the Academy and Emmy Award-winning producer, which you were part of one of the shows, Parenthood, right? Yeah. And all my clients and my audience of Culture Class, I want them to all come away from the experience feeling inspired, enlightened, less anxious, like they have an edge. I don't want them just to be the smartest in the room. I want them to connect with the knowledge and figure out what it means to them on an internal basis. Well, that's what I was going to say about the different facets of your business. So one was Zeitguide and then also being brought in as a cultural expert to different companies to help them navigate and decide where they should be heading. So everything I read of yours has a kind of practical suggestion for being nimble and flexible in an ever-changing economy. I call it cultural agility. You gotta be agile to the constantly changing culture that's surrounding everything you do. And now it's obviously more complex, more confusing, and happening more quickly than ever before. Well, in one of your guides a couple of weeks ago, I noticed this, which I had not heard this, maybe this is a very common phrase, but the COVID catalyst, like really examining how COVID has become this huge disruptor that has accelerated these plans that were maybe floundering or just not being implemented. And it just caused everything to kind of leap forward by like the most conservative estimate being like three or four years. That's what McKinsey said. It flushed, you passed the pop quiz. Just to clarify one thing, yes, I do these weekly newsletters for anybody for free, right? So I'm glad you read those. That means a lot to me. Oh, they're the greatest. I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. These are the three things that I'm going to hear about and I'm going to now be able to form an opinion about. And feel inspired, right? More connected, I'm oh, hoping. Oh, big time. So the cultural catalyst, I would put it on you and anybody else, whether they're clients or, you know, students of mine, I call them students because everybody's learning, you know, catalyzed. And if you don't remember chemistry, catalysis speeds things up. It accelerates things everything in people's lives. But on a business level, right? I mean, all my clients in these legacy companies, they were all talk. They're like digital transformation, right? We got to start upify. We got to be relevant. But it was all talk. Everybody was just speaking on stages. That's why I don't like the term thought leader. Like you need to be a cultural leader. And I feel that COVID gave everybody a chance to really invest in the technology that they've always needed to do. And you've seen it with McDonald's putting AI in their drive-thrus and Target, you know, is competitive with Amazon and Walmart. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. So there's a couple you listed that I was intrigued by. So what is McDonald's done? Because Monica and I started a Christmas Eve Eve yeah. tradition where we eat a bunch of McDonald's, which we did successfully this year. Um, lots of Big Macs and stuff. So of course, I want to know what McDonald's is doing that's been catalyzed by COVID. 
Well, like most fast food restaurant brands, they've all been experienced in doing deals with DoorDash, which just went public, to basically get their food and use technology to quickly get their food to the consumer, right? They became direct-to-consumer DDC, and people used it in retail, right? And people used it in media, which is streaming, right? right. I'm calling it now, my new buzzword, D-to-H, direct-to-home. So that's one. It's like they invest in that. The AI thing, it's like they know who you are as a customer. And when you drive through, they have all this technology and this data of who you are. Wait, how? How does it work? Yeah. Well, they take all your information, right? From Google or? Everything. Social media. They've bought the info. Well, it's easy to get, too, through all these social listening algorithms or platforms that anybody could buy off the shelf. But they also invested in their own AI, too, artificial intelligence, which is machine learning, as you know. But the most interesting thing that I thought that McDonald's is doing, they made these deals, right, with celebrities like Travis Scott and Jay Belvin, the reggaeton musician, right? They made these meals with them. That was great on a marketing end. I think like the Travis Scott meal was like sold out. It's crazy. That's the drummer from Blink-182 with great tattoos, Travis Scott. Yeah, the one that's married or hanging out with one of the Jenners. I can't remember which one. Yeah. Fantastic. But did you see his thing on Fortnite? No, I don't even know what Fortnite is, Brad. I I mean, it's a video game. I want to do a culture class just for you. (laughs) On me. Culture class for dummies. (laughs) Right. Nobody knows anything. Well, what has impressed me so much, right, is how not only consumers and employees of companies and companies have really pivoted on a digital level through this whole thing, but how celebrities and individuals all over the world have created and connected themselves to consumers or creating performances on these new platforms that really catalyze or accelerate. Okay, so Travis Scott, he's a musician. Dre Belvin, a musician as well. They can't perform in public, right? I mean, nobody's going to live events. So what do they do? There's this game called Fortnite, right, that millions and millions of people are on. It's like You know, all over the world, you could compete. The definition is game as a service, right? You go in for free, you buy things. There's so many examples of those games, but that's one of the most popular ones. And through COVID, just an aside, like gaming has skyrocketed. So because they're so popular and because they have an audience, because nobody's going to live stadiums, they've created these avatarized, like, you know, we both love to make up words. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he created an animated game figure of him of creating this concert in the game. Okay, so you're in the game and then they mm. offer you, hey, do you want to go see Travis Scott play? Right. And you can do that. Right. And I think there were like 27 million people who saw it. Don't quote me on that number. Wow. No like way. Crazy amount. Yeah, and then Jay Belvin did it and then There's another gaming platform that all these kids do called Roblox and Little Nas X actually did a concert on that. So it's fascinating to me. And this is why I think we are embarking on a cultural renaissance here that all these amazing people have been using these new platforms to connect with their audience, not just social media, not just podcasting, 
but doing it on these gaming platforms. And then TikTok is a whole other insight that I could talk to you about, but I'll just let you ask questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it leaked at all, like how they've monetized that? So like, Travis, if 27 million people decided to view that, if he got even 10 cents on the dollar, that'd be $2.7 million. Has it been leaked what people are making by doing that? It's a good question. I'm not really sure by that, okay. but I also know that a lot of brands have been sponsoring these things as well. So think of it in the same way that people would pay for a concert. They would finance a concert. And there is money that Fortnite makes by people buying. Now, I don't know for sure if people had to buy a ticket to see the concert. I don't think so. Okay, okay. But yeah, they're exploring that. I mean, that's what's so exciting about this right now. And, yeah. you know, it's not just celebrities. I mean, there are brands selling stuff on these gaming platforms as well. A huge, a new one that everybody's been using. Women have really gravitated towards this is called Animal Crossing. Do you know about this, I've Monica? Heard it, You're but a I don't, woman. I am a woman and I have heard of it, but I don't play it or know really anything about it. What happens on Animal Crossing? It's an app. It's a game. Okay. And you just share things. You just do things together online. Can you immediately click through to buy products? Is that the kind of yeah, advantage yeah. of it? I, wow. I think Guild Group had a deal with them. And, mm. you know, this was an amazing way. And this whole gamification of commerce is also, you know, I think it was Balenciaga. Instead of doing a fashion show right now, they created a game, right? So oh. I've been so inspired to see... You know, all these brands and individuals kind of pivot to digital. So what's more exciting to me, and I don't know what's going to actually happen, but there's going to be when we go out into IRL in real life, right, there's going to be this like combustibility of like digital deluge that's just going to be pouring out of our homes and being combined with whatever's happening in real life. A lot of these have to be artificially inflated due to the pandemic, right? And when we return, I guess the big question is like, what's going to stay? What was yeah. sustainable? I know a lot of people initially were like, fuck yeah, working from home works. So like the first six months, everyone's like, absolutely, no more commute, oh, good for the climate, blah, 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 positive, positive. And then as the fatigue of being alone wore on and then not having a little capsule to ride to work and reset yourself all these other downstream problems started to kind of materialize and now it seems like people are re-questioning what the value is and maybe it's some hybrid i guess but is that a big topic for 2021 it's a huge topic uh, many of my clients i work with is with the ceo with the chro and that's a corporate word for chief human resource officer who i believe have literally the hardest and most important job right now. You know, I've experienced human resource heads who you see them twice when you get hired and when you get fired. But now they really are mandated to create this new kind of work culture. And what does that mean? And, you know, they have to think about new benefits now, right? I mean, mental health is on the top of the pinnacle of concerns, addiction as well. You know, many people who have been sober didn't have the community. So there is that part of their demographic, their employees who need to go back to work and so right, right. this personal. But like you said, hybrid, there are a lot of other people who really love it. You know, people are going to be like, oh, I want to go back to work. But once they spend two hours in their car going to the office, they're going to be like, 
screw this, right? Yeah, how does a so, company answer that issue? Like, is everyone gonna get to pick? Great question. There was an article that I read yesterday that said that they should really talk to their employees and see what they want, that this should be a collaborative effort. Like that's obviously the trend that has been going on about how employees have more of a voice than ever before. And so, you know, the most progressive companies with the most progressive cultures are going to do this in a collaborative way and see what works. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be as much travel. First of all, people like are so sick of like traveling all over the world. Some people love it. Some people didn't. Well, you heard about these flights that were leaving Hong Kong, I believe, and they would just fly out for three hours and then they would fly back. People were booking them. They were full. People who missed travel but didn't want to go anywhere and take any risk. Wait, what? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just talk to that. That's fascinating. They love it. It was in the New York Times, I don't know, like six months ago, these people just longed to be on that airplane and going somewhere. And so they would just fly the plane in a circle. Oh my God. (laughs) But like weren't they fearful of COVID on the plane? At that time, Hong Kong, I believe, was like, you know, one in fucking 20,000 people, whatever. They had an incredibly low rate of contraction. So they felt great as a little island. And so they missed travel, but they were afraid to go somewhere. So that's so weird. That's not traveling. That's on the way to travel. (laughs) For us, it's not. Although I will say when you get to fly first class, like if we go to do a live show in New York and we fly first class, for me, as a father of two, that is a heavenly five hours because I'm not beholden or responsible for a damn thing. I'm in the air. So in that way, I a little yeah. bit relate to like, it's kind of a just get out of jail free. You, I'm truly offline. I'm up in the air. Hmm. Hmm. Wouldn't you rather teleport though? God, yes. Okay. Are you really offline though? I have a little policy where I do not join that internet. I am offline. I tell people, oh, I don't join the internet. I don't want to spend $19 on it or whatever. We've had so much fun on airplanes together. I know, but if I could teleport, I would rather do that. You wouldn't want to fly with me in first class right now in a little five-hour loop? No. Oh, my God. We could just hang out here. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry, Brad, to get you <laughs> there. That's okay. Yeah. I love flying when it's first class too. Yes, it's really <laughs> I mean, nice. No it's, it's nice. It's really nice. But I love that you don't go online either because, you know, it's the only place that you really are forced to think linearly, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you have your newspapers, you have your magazines, you have your books. You're not all over the place yeah. in a hypertextual way. There's so many fun things on your list of COVID catalysts, but I just... Because this, again, is of particular interest to Monica and I. What's Domino's doing? And how real is this stuff? (sighs) That's the thing. So much of it is marketing and people want to compete. But Domino's has always gotten a lot of, let's just say, attention because they've invested more in digital technology even before. So they have their own you know, last minute delivery, having their own drivers instead of dealing with like the Uber Eats or the Postmates or the DoorDashes of the world, right? So they have their own thing. But they've also been known, like everybody else that talks about drones, that they've been developing technology for smart cars and drones as well for the future of delivery. I mean, yesterday the FAA just reported that they're going to allow drones to travel at night and stuff like that. So, really? 
Yeah, you wouldn't find that freaky? Well, certainly when I see a drone above my house, I am very paranoid and I think it's a paparazzi. And in fact, it has been a paparazzi <laughs> before. I don't know what's paranoia and what's reality, but at any rate, I don't know. Here we go. This is the age-old dilemma we're in hourly with technology, which is like, yeah, I guess I'm going to give up some of my privacy so that I can have convenience, just like I gave up a lot of my privacy to have the convenience of the internet. And it's just like that line yeah. gets blurrier and blurrier, I guess, every day as the offerings are that much more tempting. Right. And you're also seeing the more negative repercussions by the day because of technology. We're seeing, you know, cybersecurity attacks. Misinformation is more rampant than ever before. And like basically the other plague that's happening to our culture right now. Yeah. Right? So I'm using the term right now, mindful innovation. So, you know, you got to think about all the repercussions that possibly can happen and like think like a science fiction writer. I mean, did Mark Zuckerberg ever think that his platform could be one of the most destructive elements of society, culture? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You do quickly realize that many of the things are very well intentioned and just the outcome is almost unimaginable as YouTube has found out and as Facebook has found out. And people are racing to be competitive, right? Yes. And that is problematic. Like I spoke at a, let's just call it an apparel company a couple months ago, and they sent me a denim jacket that's like a smart jacket, which, you know, I don't know if I lose it, I could find it. They, it measures my thing. I didn't even use it, right? And I'm like, okay, are you thinking about like the privacy issues and security yeah. But then there's great things about technology that's going to be really helpful and completely necessary. I yeah. Mean, through this race of the vaccine, right? I mean, talk about an acceleration of technology. Yeah, going from the fastest ever having been four years to this being 11 months or whatever it was. More. I mean, as a gay man who experienced the 80s, right, there still isn't a vaccine for HIV, right? Right. Yeah. And I'm just saying because, like, yeah, obviously that was a cultural crazy experience, fear, and yeah. Well, that is telling, though, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. We don't have yeah. to go there. <laughs> no, no. We always should. Like, when you can point out something so clear cut, which is... Who does it affect? Gay men, drug addicts, black and brown people, and mm -hmm. people in Africa. Probably yeah. the most marginalized. I mean, there's a lot of marginalized people in society. But yeah, straight America was like, uh, we figured it out. Wear a condom. Fuck you. You know, you go control your behavior. But not us. We're like, no, we want to go shake hands with strangers. So figure out how we can do that. Yeah. I'll rally for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, talk about mindful innovation there. It's like, you know how many... Rubber gloves and masks are just everywhere. We didn't have condoms in the street everywhere, but. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. Well, you use a term infodemic, which I really like. Wow, you really studied up. Brad, I appreciate you and you're worthy of my studies. But infodemic, this is something that is of great concern to us. There was this Sunday, 60 Minutes had a story on. A woman, I mean, you just can't believe this story. She was an Iraqi vet from one of the Iraq wars. She is a cyclist that cycles for, you know, some armed forces team. She competed in a race in Wuhan prior to the pandemic, and she had a crash there. And based solely on that, there is a huge faction of the country that has decided she somehow both brought 
Corona to Wuhan in her bicycle. She had capsules. From where again? Uh, she's an American. She is a veteran and a cyclist. And simply because there was an, a cycling event there around that time, that's all the little clues that these people needed to figure out she had brought it there. And then the other faction is she got in this bicycle crash in that race and then went to a hospital and contracted it and brought it back. Well, in fact, when they interview her, she never went to a hospital. So that's just not even true. But the result of which is she's had hundreds and hundreds of death threats. There's tens of thousands of people who think she started Corona and have been attacking her and her husband. And it's absolute fantasy. There are people who are using the things that these conspiracy theorists are saying to actually try to keep themselves in power. Yeah, people are definitely benefiting and weaponizing all of this. Yeah, they had the guy as well in this 60-minute segment whose son was murdered at Sandy Hook. And he's had to move his family seven times since that horrendous event, which is the worst thing that could happen to any human being on planet Earth. And then additionally... He's got to deal with all these fucking bozos and move his family around all the time because it's not absent threats. These people really believe he is an actor who's going to take away their liberty. And it's hard to imagine that people could believe this, but I guess all the stuff on the internet has the appearance of the same value. Anything written in text seems to carry the same weight as the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or any of it. Yeah, yeah, it's very troubling. Wait, so is oh, infodemic mean? Yeah, what is the infodemic well, mean? Well, actually, just- thank you for saying that I coined it. It actually was the World Health Organization who came up with the term. Okay. Who finally declared COVID to be a pandemic. But they did a whole study saying that the information or the false information is worse than the pandemic itself. And- Again, like you said, the COVID was a catalyst. I also think that COVID was a magnifier of all the systemic problems in both society and the way that we do business, right? It pissed me off so much every time he would say the China virus or something, because that's fine if he's going to do it. But I want him to also call it the American chicken pox, the American measles. You know, I don't even know where all these different, but we don't do that. Well, we did when we called it the Spanish flu back in 1983. Right. It didn't even originate in Spain, right? right? But even if it did, right? Exactly. Even if it did, it's uh, pejorative. Yes, it doesn't mean anything. And certainly we're not listing all the ones that we are the originators of. It doesn't fucking matter who's to blame. No one went out shopping for a virus ever, to my knowledge. Well, people get tapeworms to lose weight, but in general... <laughs> No one went out and shopped for a virus so they could give it to you. <laughs> Everyone's a victim. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Honey. Now, the most maddening thing to me is that I keep insisting Eric download Honey because he'll spend 45 minutes trying <laughs> to find a code to get a discount when he buys something online. Eric, just use Honey. What are you doing? It could save you probably a whole day over the year. Honey is so, so easy. You just add Honey to your computer for free and shop on lots of your favorite websites like normal. If Honey finds a coupon, it'll automatically tell you, applying the codes and dropping the price in a flash. No thinking, no remembering, no searching, just blissful automation. It's already found over $1 billion in savings automatically. Now, let me hit you with something that I saved a little coin on. I have a favorite pair of diesel cut jeans. Mm. 
and I can't find them anywhere. And then I was looking for an old stock. This website I found them, I used honey and I saved 30%. Wow. It's incredible. God, it's the best feeling. It is. Honey is literally a no brainer. In just a few seconds, you could have one less thing to worry about. So what are you waiting for? Try honey today at joinhoney.com slash DAX. That's joinhoney.com slash DAX. We are supported by Jenny Kane. I cannot believe we are supported by Jenny Kane because I love Jenny Kane. You're a longtime wearer of Jenny Kane. Yes, and of her home and apparel. It's incredible. It's a California lifestyle brand, and they make staple pieces that are meant to last for a long time as part of your wardrobe. It's not disposable, right? It's like exactly. classic. I've known Jenny Kane since she was 19. You have not? Yes, I have. No, you haven't. I am old, old friends with Jenny Kane. Have <laughs> no, I not told not. you that? Yes. I watched her start this company and become Jenny Kane, and it was so wonderful to witness. We Love Jenny Kane. You know what look I've been going for lately? Hmm. Comfy, but cute because all I've been wearing is sweatpants for the whole last year. And I'm yeah. going to try to up my game a little bit in 2021. I need more sweaters, like open sweaters. Okay. And so Jenny Kane has the most amazing cardigans. And mm. I got one and it's like a camel color. It's so cute. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. And I'm happy to see you transition out of those sweats okay. into something a little more <laughs> elevated. Well, listen, her style is effortless comfort endlessly versatile while looking put together all at the same time and in an instant. From wardrobe essentials to everything that makes your space feel like home, these are timeless pieces you'll never tire of. Find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com and get 15% off your first order when you use code DAX at checkout. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code DAX. Going back to technology real quick, I wondered if you think that because we're at this heightened level of technology that it's going to circle back around to non-technology. Like we were just reading about Amazon creating a phone that has like Kindle technology or maybe it's a Kindle phone. I don't know. I can find out more about that, but that doesn't have any social media on it that only has text and calling and it's like a remedial phone. That they're going to start offering. Like stuff that's useful, yeah. Like the return to the Luddite, right? Like in the 20s, which is interesting because people have been comparing this pandemic to the 1918 influenza, right? And what happened afterwards. Many people, as I'm sure you've read in many cases, especially in the entertainment business, how everybody's saying the roaring 20s happened after the 1918 influenza. But we also had... The Dottists and, you know, like Duchamp. What are Dottists? Dada was the movement that Marcel Duchamp created with the bicycle wheel. Do you remember? No, I mean, I can picture that bicycle wheel, but what were they all about? They were basically protesting against the modernization of society. Okay. Okay. Right. And that was a big movement. It led to the surrealist movement and it led to psychoanalysis. I mean, all these forces in the 20s and beyond were coming together and you saw such divisions. Right. And I do think what's happening now is, yes, I'm hoping that we're going to embark on a cultural renaissance like the Roaring Twenties. And we're going to figure out what entertainment and culture is going to be about. But 
there's also, I mean, we just saw in this election, there's so many divisions, right? And just to use the theme of division, we're seeing divisions in marriages, right? Divisions in friendships. And we're also going to see divisions within the parties, even the Democratic Party, right? Uh And then when everybody gets the vaccine, there's going to be a division between the people who are just going to figuratively rip off all their clothes and start dancing in the streets. And then other people who are going to be more trepidatious, more fearful of what's going to happen. So I think the technology of what you're saying, Monica, is very astute. There is going to be a population that's going to step back from all that. I even know that Gen Zs, I just read a study that a large portion of them think that social media is toxic. I find that encouraging. Yeah. So it's interesting. I don't know if we are going to figure out maybe we're going to be so technologically inclined in work and leisure is going to be let's put the technology away and let's go play badminton or something. Well, okay. I want to hit on two more little things before we get into what's coming in 2021, because it's in the infodemic umbrella, which is what's the great reset. I did not know about that until I read it in the Zeitgeist. I've been calling COVID a magnifier, an illuminator of the systemic problems, right? So this has caused us, and I'm hoping that it's going to turn out positively to step back and really think about our lives and our role in society. And we've seen every systemic problem from systemic racism and social injustice. We sat back and saw on social media and everything else, the wildfires. So we've been reminded about how bad climate change is. Mental health is literally at the pinnacle of conversation, right? Or mental wellness. So my hope is that this magnification and this crescendo of all these crazy things that we are aware of right now is going to help us reboot our sense of humanity, so to speak, Mm -hmm. so that COVID has been like this symbol that disrupted the way that we lived before. And thank you for reading my zeitgeist. But last year, at the end of 2019, my theme was the world is on fire, right? Uh Think about pre-COVID, right? You had Greta Thunberg speaking about climate change. You had protests all around the world, you know, in Hong Kong and China. Remember all these things, right? That the world was just a mess and that we got to sit back and COVID allowed us to see, you know, what's happening. So I'm hoping that COVID is going to be this reset of how we want to reboot the world, reboot our sense of humanity, and also spiritually and individually, like reboot ourselves and figure out how we want to live the rest of our lives. And then there's the resets in business. Yeah, it does parallel a little bit like a bottom for an addict. Like this year kind of feels a little bit like a bottom and there's an opportunity here to embrace the bottom and make some real change, or we could ignore it and stay in denial, which is always an option as well. I call that the COVID excuse, which is the opposite. I mean, there's two factions here. There's two trends in terms of what you said. And even I am experiencing this right now. Sober curiosity, right? I actually, you know, I'll come clean. I've been 
drinking and eating more than I've ever had before. And I kept on saying, you know, it's COVID. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like I, it's an excuse. And a lot of people have felt that way. But I also see the other side where people like me are thinking about sober curiosity when I get out of this bubble, right? Yeah. Like, what would it be that we kind of cut all these things out of our lives? There's both ways. Yeah, I hear a lot of that. I hear a lot of that. So what's going to happen in 2021? You know, I see 2021 and happening in four parts, right? So right now, if you look at the front pages of any digital or tangible newspaper, like the world's even worse. You know, I don't know when you're airing this, but, you know, we're going to see if Congress is going to vote on, you know, our president being president. We have the elections in Atlanta now, but Iran decided to develop nuclear weapons. Climate change is again at the pinnacle of conversation. So I feel that right now in 2021, from all the data that I'm seeing combined with the hope that I have in my conversations with my clients, is that this isn't a reborn year. It's not like any other new year where you're going to be saying, okay, the year's going to be amazing. Yes, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but we have a fucking lot of work to do, right? Yeah. We have to roll up our sleeves. So that's like the first part of 2021. And I hope that's going to be accelerated, that whole part of the beginning to create a rebirth of humanity when our new administration comes in. And it's like also the year of the expert, right? He's actually surrounding himself by real experts with real knowledge, which is great. So, you know, that's the second part. Let's call it the second quarter of 2021. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of turmoil, I think. But if our administration does what our future president says we're going to do. We're going to deal with this darkness, but he's going to help shepherd this through. And then when everybody gets vaccinated, I see, and I mentioned this before, there's going to be a division with the people who are going to just like, we're going back, we're going to party in the streets. It's going to be like Mardi Gras everywhere. I think that's more of the young people, right? Sure. And then there's going to be people who are going to still be trepidatious, And then we're going to go out into the real world and people have been saying the new normal, but it's going to be the new anxiety. What does that mean? There's so many like moving molecules that it's going to take real work and real integrity and real vision and real leadership to hopefully put those molecules together and create a better world. Well, hopefully, though, there's no way having just experienced COVID not think well, that's one of a million kabillion viruses. So mm-hmm. we didn't kill Godzilla. And then that was the only monster living in the sea. So the handshake, is it gone? I'd like to see it go, personally. Really? You're about the elbow bump? Did you watch The Crown where like Queen Elizabeth went out to see all of her people and she puts on the gloves? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well... You would probably know the history, right? I mean, originally, shaking hands is to basically tell someone you're not going to murder them, right? It had an actual practical purpose. But I don't think anyone believes that someone's holding a sword behind their back or a handgun in the other hand. So I just wonder, is it one of these vestigial things that doesn't even mean anything anymore that we're stuck with? Why do we need to touch people we meet? Mm, You don't miss hugging people? I love hugging. Okay. 
but you're going to hug the people you know and love. It's not like I bump into 45 people at Starbucks who maybe liked parenthood and I got to touch all of their hands. You know, why is that necessary? Why can't we just chat and we can have an exchange of ideas and share a moment? I don't know why we have to touch each other. I think you're right. I can see that. And I think you being such an influencer in the world, you might be starting that culture just by saying this. <laughs> but, you know, them. other cultures, like in some Asian cultures, like the bow, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. I'll do the that. The bow in the business card. Although you don't like bowing. When we talked about the crown, you did not like that people bowed to the queen. Yeah, I hate that's bullshit. But if the queen bowed to everyone and they bowed to her, I'd be okay, right. you're in. Yeah, okay. I don't like the status thing of it. That she gets bowed I to. I love her. Or people I felt that way, too, when I watched it. And I felt oh, very uncomfortable. Wasn't it good, though? <laughs> oh, it was so good. That's <laughs> oh such God. a good Diana. job. Diana. Oh, I know. I know. I felt a yeah. little bit like one of these people. It's like, I'll say something maybe liberal on here, right? And then I'll get some message like, I can't listen to you now. And I'm like, <laughs> but I found myself guilty of it, which is I'm so offended by the notion of royalty that as much as I'd get into enjoying the show, I'd be like, this is such bullshit. These people are going to marry people but they that's don't why like. It's fascinating that that's the world that they've created and they're trying to maintain. And there's kind of no reason to maintain it, but they have to because that's their whole life. It's so interesting. Well, it's definitely like laden with conflict, I acknowledge. Yeah. And they're sad. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is everyone's losing. Every it's single person's losing in this like fantasy where they're more important than other people. Anyways, I had a hard time getting past that, Brad, and it's embarrassing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to connect the dots there in terms of royalty and also just shaking hands, you know, there's tradition. Also, not just royalty, but look at our patriarchal system, right? I think that's another silver lining of COVID. Basically, we're going to dismantle all these systems and cultures that, you know, are so archaic and aren't relevant anymore, whether it's shaking hands. So... Yeah, I think that's going to happen, too, in terms of our cultural renaissance moving forward. There's going to be a lot of different behavioral habits that are going to be forming. Yeah, and I am sympathetic to people because I do think what gets conflated quite often is tradition and stability. I think everyone desires stability. And what is probably what fear is triggered by change is instability, which I totally get. But I do think those things are conflated. I don't really think tradition necessarily represents stability. In fact, most of the instability of this year is the outcome of outdated traditions. Absolutely. But I think, okay, so there's tradition, but I also think there's ritual. They're two different things. Yes. Right? Yes. So ritual, I think, is tradition with heart, soul, and authenticity. I still you know, even though I, um, I'm Jewish and even though I have problems with a lot of the patriarchal, homophobic constructs that were created, I still love the ritual. I wouldn't say the tradition, the ritual of coming together on Friday night and being with family and friends. And I would say that it was more during this COVID crisis it was very you know, helpful to me as well. So it's not like we have to dismantle everything. We're back to the reset, right? We just have to tweak it in a way that's more sustainable to humanity. I couldn't agree with you, Mark, because I've been to many a Passover and a Seder, and I love it always, even though I don't buy into the underlying foundation of it all. The share of humanity in those structured rituals is palpable. You can't really deny it. So yeah, I'm hoping for 
some movement where people get to cherry pick all the wonderful things about their religion and then just be willing to jettison some of the stuff that's destructive and some openness to like, I totally think people congregating on a Sunday is fucking beautiful. They can all share and sing a song and then they can be nice to their neighbors at the end of it and check in. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I wish there was someone kind of leading that movement to keep the beautiful rituals without maybe the oppressive nature of some of it. In Jewish communities, there's a large demographic of believers who are reforming or reconstituting the notion. Like I go to a, it's not even called shul or temple or synagogue. He actually does it at like the Javits Center. His name is uh, Amichai Levin. And, you know, he was practicing and leading uh, congregations without even having a rabbinical degree, whatever the stamp of approval is. And he's gay. Uh And we wouldn't say like he, 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 or God, 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 God. It would be, you know, whatever you want to believe in. I just think everything has to be constantly redefined. (laughs) Work, right? Like the same kind of thing, the way that we are related to, and this is what I'm talking to all my clients about, like what is the future of work now and how can we reconstitute that? We all know that it's been inequitable with you know racial injustice, sexism. We've learned about hashtag me too, homophobia, transphobia, ageism. That's going to be the next thing. How do we literally take all that old white man kind of system that shaped everything and created everything, but use a lot of the great things that we loved about work. Burnout pre-COVID was at an all-time high. So it's like, this has been a time to evaluate. And again, I'm looking at such an optimistic level, and this is why I'm more the guy than the zeit, because this is what I hope for, that we're going to leave the bad. This is our time to leave the bad in our personal lives, in our work lives, in society, geopolitically, but we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. I have one last juicy greed question, which I already had one money question. Here comes the second one. Your last Zeitgeist dealt a lot with how Hollywood's changing. And what was fascinating to me as someone who has spent now 20 some years in this industry, and I think I know how it works, to see that HBO Max released Wonder Woman real time on that platform, in addition to being in theaters, that to me seemed unimaginable four years ago with these tentpole movies that cost a couple hundred million dollars. But I guess the success of Disney Plus, maybe if you're looking at, I guess, potentially 800 million a month in revenue for 12 months, now you're looking at making $9 billion. What's the difference if you got it there or from the theater? It starts making sense. So is the model making sense? I'm hoping it does not make sense because I am a cinephile Uh and I still like the IRL in real life experience of going to the movies. And I do believe that, I mean, we knew that the movie business was about to crash and burn unless somebody reconstituted what that experience of seeing a movie in a theater is going to be. And COVID has been that accelerator because like we've seen every single media company going streaming. So the cool thing about streaming for these businesses is that they don't have to give any money to the exhibitors and the deals that they're making with talent are also not the same. So these media companies can save a lot of money. But I am feeling hopeful about it. 
I think that once we all take off all our clothes and dance in the streets, people will want to go to the movies and it'll be a new thing. Like I said, we're embarking on a cultural renaissance, but I believe in the creative people in your business, my business, to really figure out an experience that people are going to want to be around other people and experience it. But it depends, right? Because like when you talk about movie theaters, I miss the movie theater so much too. But every time I've been in a movie theater in the last couple of years, I have this sense of like, is there going to be a shooting today? And I haven't obviously had that feeling in a year anywhere I go, because there's not a place where there's so many people packed in that that fear has been removed. And I like that, that that's been removed. So there is a sense of when we're all running around in the streets, how are people behaving? Because remember, we were at an all-time high with mass shootings. If those come back, I think people are going to be like, fuck this. It's a very, very good point. Maybe theaters are going to become more like airports, right? There's going to be security and to scam people going through and you're going to get your temperature taken at the same time. I mean. <laughs> and then get completely nude and watch the movie. <laughs> Once all the variables. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything has vulnerability to that. So again, I'm hoping that there's a population of people who are thinking about all the things happen BC before COVID that we were dealing with, like whether it was hashtag me too and these protests and inequality and gun control and opioid addiction, all these things, right? COVID definitely pushed those things aside, COVID and politics. And we can't forget those systemic issues that we were facing before, one being gun control. Everything is being addressed and I'm addressing it. We definitely need a global playbook. We need Zeitgeist Mm -hmm. to help everybody kind of look at the procedures of how we're going to fix these problems. I mean, we have to put all these problems on the table that we've been thinking about and seeing that have been magnified through all this. And we can't do everything, but we're going to have to prioritize. And back to what I was saying before, that COVID, it's a warning. It's Mm -hmm. a warning that shit happens. We're vulnerable. We're vulnerable. And the next pandemic is climate change. Yeah. It's going to affect everyone. Yeah, you can't buy your way out of it. I read somewhere that people are going to start naming in the same way that we name hurricanes, heat waves. Oh, really? So like Mm. heat wave Harry, heat wave Harriet. Mm. I mean, there's going to be a lot of once we get back to whatever the new normal is, like a lot of people, a lot of academics, a lot of scholars, we need them, a lot of experts starting to kind of explain what happened and what we need to do. So Yeah, we need we, to start really simple with like a top three to-do list that the world totally. agrees on. Like, let's right. just start here. Well, number one, don't throw your masks and gloves on the floor. Yeah, to oh please, God. please put them in the proper place. Brad, so fascinating. Where would people go if they wanted to sign up for any of your seminars? It's zeitguide.com, Z-E-I-T, and guide like tour guide.com. Perfect. So zeitguide.com. And you can get the full soup to nuts walkthrough 
a million different fascinating topics. Including TikTok. I'm a TikTok expert. So okay, if you want good. to learn about that, I'll give you a private lesson. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brad, thank you so much and stay safe. And of course, can I suggest you have BC before COVID, AV as after vaccine. Mm. So see an AV, hopefully nude, partying in the streets. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. All right. All be right. well. Thank you. Bye. Bye, thank Bye you. Brad. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by Sleep Number. Now, let me tell you something, Monica. I'm feeling oh pretty, pretty good, okay? Listen to me. My sleep number is back to 90. Oh, wow. That's a real good sign. My body's feeling great because then I got a nice, firm mattress under me. Mm. And my Sleep IQ score reflected that. 90. Wow. 90 and 90. Wow. up beautifully. Listen, quality sleep is more important than ever as we head into the new year. Not only is it a natural immunity booster, but it also helps with energy and recovery. Quality sleep is essential for optimal health, performance, and sanity. Eating healthy, weight loss, and exercise, getting the right amount of sleep can help you make healthier decisions in the kitchen. The more you sleep, the better you will exercise, and the more you exercise, the better you will sleep. It's a beautiful closed-loop cycle. Sleepers who routinely use their Sleep Number 360 smart bed features get almost 100 hours more Proven quality sleep per year. Make quality sleep your New Year's resolution. And now save up to $1,000 on the new Sleep Number 360 smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash DAX. We are sponsored by BetterHelp Online Counseling. The new year can be a good time for a mental health check-in if you have always wanted to try therapy or if you'd like to try it again or you just need to talk some things out. BetterHelp offers online licensed professional therapists who are trained to listen and to help with issues including anxiety, depression, relationships, conflicts, trauma, anger, grief, and more. I got a second friend. So first was my sister. Now I have another friend that hit me up and was like, by the way, I finally tried BetterHelp after listening to your show and I love it. <gasps> oh, that makes me so happy. Me too. I get so darn much out of therapy. I hope everyone finds their way to a licensed therapist. Now, finding a therapist can be intimidating and time consuming, but with BetterHelp, you can simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with your counselor in under 48 hours. You can easily schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus exchange unlimited messages with your therapist from the comfort of your own home. Join the 1 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor. BetterHelp is a convenient and affordable option and Arm Cherries get 10% off their first month with the discount code DAX. Get started today at betterhelp.com slash DAX. There's no shame in asking for help. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. I've been wondering lately. Tell me. Do you think that they're going to invent an at-home IV that you can put in yourself so you don't have to drink water anymore? Oh. <laughs> it's hard for me to desire that as someone who loves drinking water. I think water. about it once a day that I wish so badly I could just get the hydration without me having to Will you tell the people the what mouth? happens every time you walk in here? What has been done? PP cup. I have put a water on your chair in hopes that you would drink it. Not today. Yes, today. Where? I put it on your chair, on this yellow chair before you got here, and you had to have moved it probably up there where the other ones you move them to. But oh. I put one on your chair and mine, and I put one either on your armrest or your chair every day. I never notice it because yeah. I hate water. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hate it. 
Yeah, man, I feel it when I don't have enough water. I need so much water all the time or I, I feel it. Me too, but I just can't. It's so weird I to me. I can't get myself to the cup. Oh. Fill it up. So you want an IV? It. You can go to the hospital, they'll give you a ba- an IV bag full I know, of water. I know, but I'm just saying like every morning I wish I could just wake up and like open up my bag, put it in, do what? my d- errands. Uh-huh. Well, I think what you're asking for exists, which is you want a port. You want them to put a port in your body so that you can access, you can put all kinds of injections in there without them having to retap your vein every time. So yeah, do you want me water to port. do you want me to get you a port? Yeah. Okay. I'll, well, I'll call in some favors like Sanjay, <laughs> the different doctors we know. <laughs> Sanjay would never allow that. He's he too put ethical. one right in your head because he's a neurologist, Ooh. but neurosurgeon. And he could do like a bow shape, so it always looked like I had a little bow in my hair. Oh yeah, and the, the bow would be filled with um, water with electrolytes in it. Oh, I would love electrolyte that. rich, 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 rich. Because I'm starting to think maybe my seizure was due to a low level of electrolytes. Oh, yeah, I think so too. But I still can't get myself. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> we all have some funny things. That's one of your funny things. It is weird. So like you're so responsible. And you, as you say, on race 270, you know, you're, you're in total control of your diet. You don't have to fight any urges. You can moderate. I mean, look, I don't want to say total, but I'm pretty yeah, good. Maybe when it comes to sweets, maybe. But in general, you're pretty good. And the notion that you don't drink water is just astounding to me. It's a mental hurdle. I don't know what it is. I mean, I like drinking at your house hot water. Okay. <laughs> but I don't like doing that at my house because I don't have the hot water tap. It's hot. I'm excited for that for my new house. Yeah. That's a priority. You gotta see if Delta makes one since oh, they're gonna be outfitting yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. Why, I, here's what I would love for you to do is to get one of those absurdly sized jars like Eric carries around. No, Molly got me one. Oh my God, you already have it? Yeah. You need to fill it up in the morning and you have to drink that throughout the day. Like no, that that's your yeah. homework. Haven't you seen my book bag? I mean, my purse? Yeah. It's too heavy already. And so I tried carrying that around a little bit and it was too heavy. Well, you know how you make it lighter? You drink the water inside. No, the the vessel itself is heavy <laughs> and I have to carry it or I have too much to carry. Ugh, water. Mm. We all have all these reasons why we can't do the things we don't do. Yours is now the weight of your bag. Well, that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You can't you can't drink water. It can't be done for you. <laughs> well, I also <laughs> You're unique. No, I'm not saying that. Well, your other option is to not do that and then to drink water everywhere you go, but you're not doing that. So I'm just trying to think of how you're going to launch a plan that might yield some results. Part of it is I don't like washing the water bottle. So I did buy this one from Nordstrom. That you or, can throw away? No, it's a, it cleans itself. <laughs> oh. I got excited about that. Actually, I don't know if it was from Nordstrom, but I got excited about that. But then it came and then I think you have to charge it. And I was like, ugh. Mm. So, oh, it has UV light inside? And- I don't know what it has. Okay. Yeah. Is it next to the books you haven't read? <laughs> Where did you put it? I put it with all the rest of my water bottles. Uh, I have many. Uh. Sometimes so, okay, well, you're not you're not biting on any of my solutions. So what is your solution? Do you have a solution you think might work? IV. That's, that's what I'm telling you. That's not a solution. You. I don't have to do a pour. I could just do regular IV. Okay. Okay. All right. Well. If anyone out there has that invention, please reach out. You know it's going to require a needle be put in your arm. I don't mind. The- oh, you don't? Mm-mm. I really don't mind that. Okay. Well, then. Yeah. I think it'd be a good solution for me. Oh, my God. 
This is like this is very identical to people who want to quit drugs, but they don't want to go to AA. That's unacceptable. So they'll move to the middle of nowhere, Alaska. Like people do this. They try to come up with a geographical solution to this thing because they refuse to do the thing. So your solution is to have an IV bag. It's yeah. as crazy as moving to the middle of Alaska no, to quit drugs. Yes, it is. Because I'm actually getting the hydration. And they're quitting heroin because you can't buy it in the middle oh, of the tundra. Okay, good for them. <laughs> Great. That works for them. Yeah. Great. You're not very supportive of my <laughs> invention. I'm a little more supportive of that than your um, veneers, if we want to put it on a scale. Oh, my God. I'd rather you have a IV bag to get your water than to get veneers. 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 <laughs> my dentist sent me some cookies. That's a funny present for it, a dentist. It was, but I was very appreciative. He's so awesome. And that just reminded me that I have to keep thinking about veneers. And oh, my <laughs> His plan worked. Um, <laughs> and I'm thinking about it still. But you know what? You're just going to have to be happy with just it if I supportive. get it. Yeah, yeah, I'll be supportive of whatever. Well, that's not true. People shouldn't be supportive of whatever people do. No, not whatever. But like. I can bite my tongue. I can promise you that. <laughs> I make that promise right here, right now. 2021. <laughs> I'm I'm probably not going to But I don't want my dentist to know that Because I want to keep sending me cookies Yeah, that's fair Yeah. Okay, Brad Brad Grossman Oh, I have one more I have one more thing to say One more bit of um, house cleaning? Yes Or a grievance House cleaning is a ding, ding, ding about oh, this Oh, oh The big elephant in the room <laughs> Is that I smell right now Which you don't, but continue I smell like a chicken <laughs> A chicken fire. <laughs> you smell like a smoked chicken. Well, I, I'm getting more into cooking. These cooking videos really ignited a fire in me. Yeah, I've, it's been fun to watch. I ha, I have not had any of the meals yet, which I'm Upset I've been about. heard about. <laughs> yeah, the fact that you made a big ZD for Laura Matt. And, no, and, and and you know, okay. Uh, how many? Let me ask you this: How many meals have I made you? A lot, but listen to me. Okay, I presented the idea of a Anchovy pasta, and, and I you said, I were want perturbed. it. No, I wasn't. I said, I want it. You, you told me you were going to cut down the amount of anchovies, I and you know. thought that would be a good solution. I was like, I can't wait to try it. I saw the and then on you your face. told me, I've decided I'm not making that for you. Yeah, because I got scared because you got, you looked scared. I was not scared. Your I was mouth excited. said stuff, but your face really told me the true story. You were scared of it. I thought, okay, this is not a good place to start. I'll start with the ziti. But I still have to try it out first. I can't just make it for the first time and then give it to you and then it's gross. So I tried it. It was amazing. Yeah, and, thanks. And then and then that, that day. <laughs> glad, glad to hear it went well. Unfortunately, <laughs> it was it fed six to eight people. Mm -hmm. And I was playing and spades. I was that not day. one of the six to eight no, people. No, this is what happened. So I ate a bunch of it. Then I went upstairs. I said, Hey, do you guys want any of the CD? I made it. They took some. Then I was like, oh, maybe I'll bring some to Dax tomorrow. But then I thought, I need it to be fresh the first time. Oh, my goodness. But I'm going to make it this week. Okay. For you. Okay. Stay tuned for an update. Okay. Also, side note, Allison Roman, who is the cooking video chef. Mm -hmm, that you're obsessed with. She reached out to me, and I'm 
so excited because she she invited me to a cooking class that yeah. she's hosting virtually. Via Zoom. Oh, virtual cooking yes. class. Fun. I'm so excited. Mm. But I hope this doesn't happen. What happened yesterday? I made a skillet chicken. It was beautiful. Chicken thighs. Allison's trying to get me to eat more chicken thighs. Why? She just wants people to try chicken different ways, you know, oh, okay. instead of just chicken breast. Chicken no, breast. no. Thighs are where it's at. Oh, my God. That's it, the best meat on the chicken. Mm, when was, I go to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. You get thighs. Hit me with only thighs is what I tell them. Wow. Yeah. When I leave there, I'm worried I've fucked up the proportion that they assigned that day. Like, okay, we're going to sell 25 whole chickens. <laughs> Hopefully people order this pretty evenly. And then I come in there and get six thighs. Mm. And I'm like, I'm going to just screwed Screw up the calculations. Well, I was thigh shy. Okay. I was thigh shy. She convinced me. So then I made this beautiful skillet chicken. It was so good. Unfortunately, I have a small apartment. I haven't moved into my house yet. There's no hood. Right. There's no vent. There's no exhaust. There you go. So all of a sudden, my smoke alarm starts going oh. off. And I'm like, oh, I guess it is smoky. And it wasn't really And you're really way smoky. too short to address a smoke alarm exactly. problem. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm just fanning with my <laughs> towel trying to get the smoke cleared and opening up all the windows. Very nervous. My landlords are approaching. Uh-huh. They're very on top of things. They are. It's also double entendre because they're on top of they, are they live in the building. Quite literally on top. And that was a big to-do, okay? But then mm -hmm. the smoke detector stopped. Everything or ran was out fine. of batteries. Something happened. <laughs> Everything was fine. <laughs> I ate the chicken. It was delicious. Then I went to your house to watch Tiger Woods documentary. Ooh! Amazing. Guys, what a what a fucking doc. God, so much to talk about. That's another tangent. But anyway, oh, yeah. then I came home and realized my house smelled so strongly of chicken It smelled smoke. like an El Pollo Loco in there is what you're saying. I don't know what it smells like in there, so I can't yeah. say, but probably more intense. Okay. I think they grill their chicken. I think that's their thing. But it, did it smell like someone had grilled like 100 chickens in your house? Yeah. Like wow. you just, it was permeated everything. Oh, wow. I would like that. And I got really- Self-conscious. Well, no, because it was just me, but I had an anxiety spiral about it. Right. Got yeah. into my bed. I was like, it's everywhere. The smell is everywhere. I can't get rid of it. And I didn't know what to do because I couldn't open windows. I'm on the first floor. Couldn't open windows. I was too scared to do that. But For an intruder. In the middle of the night, I did open some windows in my I room. The intruders are asleep by now. Exactly. Anyway, it was a predicament and I smell like it. You got overwhelmed. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept thinking, but I want to keep making this chicken. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to, you know, as you re recall, I went through a huge phase where I was making chicken wings and thighs in the air fryer. Yeah. I don't know why I've stopped that because it was the most so delicious good. thing ever. But at any rate, you know, it kicks out a good deal of smoke. So I had to learn to park that thing. I'd either cook them outside. I know. I don't have that option. You don't have that option. But then now I cook them right under our vent. And again, I know you don't have an exhaust. I'm trying to rub your nose in our exhaust, but but you'll figure out a way. I will because it was delicious. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Brad. Bradley Grossman. Okay. So the Travis Scott McDonald meal, you wonder what was in that. Yeah. It's a medium Sprite, a quarter pounder with bacon and fries with barbecue sauce. Ooh, baby. Travis made $20 million from the deal. No. Yep. What? Also- you said that it's a drummer from Blink-182. Brad didn't correct you, but it's not. The Blink-182 drummer is Travis Barker. Oh, Travis Barker. I love him. Travis Scott is a rapper. Okay. He, is, he has a baby with Kylie Jenner. Oh, okay. 
That's Ooh, great. Kardashian. I guess. Ding, ding, ding. Kind of ding, ding, ding from last time. Yeah. Anyway, so he's really hot right now. Probably why he's getting is he the, Does he also design Jordy's? Oh my God! Yes, I think I have a pair the of blue his, ones. I got uh, you. the cactus ones. I think are him. Let's look. This motherfucker's got the golden touch. He touches a hamburger meal, twenty million dollars. He touches a Jordy, my favorite pair. Yeah, Travis Scott has also a deal with Nike, and God, this guy's he good. Has those blue shoes that I got you that cactus. are the best ones? Yeah, cactus. Air for retro Travis Scott cactus Jack men's shoes. My favorites. Uh, such a pretty beautiful, blue. Beautiful, beautiful blue. Travis Scott, good, good for job. Travis Scott. Mm. I should go get his meal and eat it in my Jordies. Do you think there's some synergy there? Like it would be they'd complement each other. Yeah, I'd be afraid to s- drip some of that barbecue sauce on my cactus. You'd be careful. I mean, no offense to Travis Barker, but I, this was a big me- misstep on our part that we said Travis Bark. Barker Blink 182. Travis Scott, we're sorry. Yeah, everyone's sorry. We're so sorry. Okay. How many people viewed the Travis Scott concert on Fortnite? He said around 27 million. Brad confirmed today that is correct. (laughs) I wonder if they heard it. They did. Are you going to leave it? No. I'm going to cut it. Okay. I just cut it. (laughs) The cheese. (laughs) Where do you think the term cut the cheese comes from? Maybe when cheese used to be packed in big wax things to transport it before refrigeration, Mm -hmm. perhaps when they would cut into that wax, if the cheese had spoiled, it was just a tremendously bad smell. Oh. That's my guess. Oh, you're connecting it to smell. Okay. I always connected it to sound somehow, but I didn't know why. Well. You go on to your next fact, and I'll I'll handle this fact. Okay. Well, this is a ding, 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 because this is another origin question okay where did the handshake come from you said and and you're right but i'm just gonna elaborate also we may have already done this in the past because it is sounding familiar but this is from the history channel the handshake has existed in some form or another for thousands of years but its origins are somewhat murky one popular theory is that the gesture began as a way of conveying peaceful intentions by extending their empty right hands strangers could show that they were not holding weapons and bore no ill will toward one another. Some even suggest that the up and down motion of the handshake was supposed to dislodge any knives or daggers that might be hidden up a sleeve. Yet another explanation is that the handshake was a symbol of good faith when making an oath or promise. When they clasped hands, people showed their word was a sacred bond. Mm. An agreement can be expressed quickly and clearly in words, but it is only made effective by a ritual gesture. Open, weaponless hands stretched out toward one another, grasping each other in a mutual handshake. Yeah, this is not necessary anymore. Right. Agreed. Etymology. The idiom reference the foul smell emitted by some cheese, many of which have a rind that keeps the odor in. Once the rind is pierced, as in the case of slicing, the smell is released. Mm, wow. Mm. I said wax casing. They're saying rind. You know, yeah. I, I still take this as a victory. Yeah, you should. Can I read you one more <laughs> definition? Because it's more technical and it makes it funnier. Of cut the cheese. Yes. Yeah. The adjective cheesy can be used figuratively to refer to anything that smells bad, such as fermented <laughs> cheese. Eventually, cutting the cheese was later applied figuratively to refer to flatulence. Because like cutting a smelly block cheese, a fart can suddenly cause a smelly odor to broadcast <laughs> over a wide area. <laughs> to broadcast over a wide area. Wow. Oh, wow. I like that. Me too. Mm. I like this game. 
underneath that was suggested other questions that people ask a mm -hmm. lot. And one was, what does the phrase cut the mustard come from? Cut the mustard? I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. He doesn't cut the mustard. It's oh, like, like cut didn't the meet, shit? No, doesn't meet the specifications. Oh. Yeah, didn't cut the mustard, so they fired him. Oh, I've never heard that. But I guessed, and I guessed right. I thought it's probably a bastardization of muster, which is when you line up in the military troop, they call a muster. And it was that, an expression for assembling military troops for inspection. Past the muster is oh. where it really comes from. I could do this all day long. Okay. What else is there? What does the cut mean sexually? Well, I Ew. think we all know what that means. The cut? The vagina? What's secret sexual activity with a person other than one's partner? Oh. oh. I've never heard that either. Oh, wow. Who would ask this question? What does cheese mean? <laughs> That's not a fucking question that people are asking. <laughs> um, that is all. That's it? Yeah. What does cheese do to your body? What does cheese mean sexually? What does BB mean in texting to a girl? What does cut a rug mean sexually? Which I thought cut a answers? rug was dancing. Me too. Definitions include to have sex or engage in other sexual activities. That doesn't help me. No, we've gone off the rails. What does fish market mean sexually? Ew. Ooh, fish market, a 19th century term for a brothel. Used in a sentence... I've had a long day and I need to pay a visit to the fish market. Hmm. That seems. That has some, oh my God, ding, 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 it, your apartment. It has some olfactory connotation. It sure does. But oh, my apartment well, does not have a fish market. You didn't, have a, you didn't have a fish fry in there. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, I love you. I love you. I love you. And we'll stay tuned about whether you make me bake ziti by next. Oh, correct. Check. Yeah. Okay. So stay tuned for that update.